So many of you know I played eight years in the NFL. What you might not know is I've had multiple surgeries throughout my NFL and collegiate career. I've had both ankles, both knees worked on in a sports hernia. And these different surgeries, they've, they've given me pain over the years. And I've tried to, to look for different medications and, and ointments and gels and all this stuff to help heal that. But once I started finding out and started doing research on things within my body that can be done to help alleviate this pain, I started to kind of venture down this road of gut health. And gut health is your gut is like a second brain. The cleaner your gut is, the more things can be able to enter into your system and start to help you. And understanding this, Nodora is a probiotic that's like no other. It's specific, it's custom, and it's based on science. If you're having trouble with sleeping, with body inflammation, with pain, bloating, and even overall weight loss, Nodora can be the answer because it fixes things at the well, not at the faucet. So make sure to check out Nodora at Nodora, N-U-D-O-R-A.com. And when you purchase, make sure when you check out Shark Effect 25 for 25% off your order. Okay? All right. Don't say I ain't never did nothing for y'all. Back to the show. Welcome to the Shark Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm an NFL veteran of eight years, and now I'm an author, leadership and personal development coach, and international speaker. In this podcast, you will learn strategies to get unstuck in life and find your influence. You will hear inspirational and value-packed stories from former and current elite-level athletes, successful entrepreneurs, and experts in the field of personal development. My mission is to help former elite-level athletes find their identity and utilize their influence to create a life of impact. Randall, man, it's great seeing you again. Um, I know we had a great conversation a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm really looking forward to our conversation now and because more people will be listening. But, man, can you tell me a little bit about yourself? You know, I, I've already kind of talked a little bit about you you know, a couple of minutes ago, but can you tell a, a brief, can you give us, my audience, a brief um, kind of synopsis of who you are? Yeah, man, I, I think I've uh, I spent a career collecting jobs I'm probably not qualified for, but, you know, it's been a, it's been a blast, you know, regardless, you know, got into the military before 9-11, and so did not know what I was getting into, uh, which I think is probably something a lot of people face, where you're like, oh, man, I'm in it now. Um, and so after 9-11, you know, that was a career in the Army for a while. We can dive into that in a little bit because there's a lot of analogs, entrepreneurship. But I think the Army will always teach you, you either love having a boss or you hate having a boss. And I, uh, I was definitely the latter. And so it, it pushed me to entrepreneurship, which I think a lot of people find kind of odd because they don't think of the military as being entrepreneurial. Uh, but it really is. And so, you know, I took a lot of what I learned in the military, applied it to, you know, entrepreneurship. Um, and actually, you know, at the time, didn't have a company that I felt crazy passionate about starting. And so I was like, well, man, 
I really want to be an entrepreneur, but you know, I don't have an idea. Where do I start? And so I actually ended up thinking, you know, taking another page out of the military. If, you know, I can't be an entrepreneur, I should know my enemy. And if my enemy is an entrepreneur is a venture capitalist, I'm going to get into venture capital. And so I spent about a decade uh, angel investing and in venture capital to kind of learn the ropes of, you know, how investors view entrepreneurs, how do you build companies, how do you finance companies, how do you scale companies, did that for about 10 years, um, and then got back on the operational entrepreneurship side uh, with Funware full-time back in kind of 2017, 2018, and have been doing this ever since, and so now as a, as a public company executive, uh, that's a, it's a whole new wild ride. So it, it's, been a, it's been a fun journey, um, learning a lot, still got a lot to learn, uh, but excited to talk about you know, entrepreneurship with you. Man, that's so cool. And, you know, that's very interesting. I've never heard of anybody kind of getting into that space, you know, going at, you know, the enemy, like you said, in the enemy's mind. And I'm just interested to hear, like, so when you when you did that, right, you want trying to be an entrepreneur and understanding, like, okay, I'm going to go to the other side and see what that looks like. And you're talking about, you said something about angel investors. What do, what do, Number one, what is an angel investor? Number two, what do they look for? Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, anytime you're starting a company, you can kind of do a couple things. You know, you can, you know, you'll hear the term bootstrap a lot. So bootstrap basically means, you know, you're using your credit cards, you're getting your parents to refinance the house. You know, you're usually, you're out there and, and you're just, uh, you're risking it at all. And that, that can be scary. And, and whether you want to stop spending your own money, or you want to, you need more money than you have, you'll start to explore other financing options. And so that might be small business loan. Um, it could be a, a rich friend or a, a, a rich um, or family office. So the high net worth individuals is usually what you consider an angel. It's somebody who has either, you know, made money, maybe they started a company and sold it, you know, retired early, maybe it's generational wealth, you know, you always know that growing up, you've got that one kid who's rich and you know, always has new sneakers and, and parents drop them off in a nice car, dad's probably, you know, could be an angel investor. Um, so, you know, your doctors, your dentists, your lawyers, all of them, you know, usually make a decent salary and sometimes can invest that in promising young startups. Uh, and then, so typically, this kind of actually works sequentially. You know, you might start the company bootstrapping. Then you find some friends and family, you know, to help you get a little bit further. Then you get more confident and you reach out to strangers, you know, usually richer individuals who might be able to lend you a hand. And, and, and you know, obviously you're going to be selling a piece of your company in return for their money. Sometimes you can convince them to loan you the money. You still got to pay that back, obviously. And then as you start to get bigger, you'll start to get into the world of venture capital, where now you have these institutions that their business is investing. You know, they're going to raise a fund from other investors, kind of you know, family offices, pension funds, things like that. And then they're going to deploy that into you know, high potential startups. Um, and then once you get past venture capital, you get to private equity. Those are more number crunchers. They're just looking at, you know, margins, profit, trending, scaling, you know, market size, things like that. It's a little bit more, it's less sexy. You know, it's a little bit more, show me the numbers. Let me, let me, let me prove out what you're telling me. And then you get obviously into the public realm where, you know, the financing options are the public markets where you're talking about things that trade on NASDAQ or the New York Stock Exchange. Gotcha. And so as an entrepreneur, like, do you look for like, 
what do you look for in terms of like, um, you know, I'm new to the space and uh, I'm trying to figure out like what my passion is and what what I have inside of me to be able to share it to the world. Like, how does that process, you know, how do you go through that whole process to seeing like what you have um, and, and how to how to use that to build, you know, your empire? Yeah, you know, it's a loaded question because there is no wrong answer. Um, You know, one thing that Steve Jobs always talked about was that, you know, you need to find something that you're passionate about because you're going to spend so much of your time working. And if you're not passionate about it, you know, you'll give up. You know, it's it's just hard. Um, That is true. Uh, Because obviously, you know, this is a guy who created Apple and he's thinking of changing the world. But people shouldn't feel that they have to create the next Facebook or the next Apple or the next Google in order to be a good entrepreneur. You might want to build, you know, a a really cool, fast, casual restaurant. You might want to build a new a new type of belt attachment that does something cool. You might want to you know, you might have usually a lot of times I see people they're trying to solve a pain point that they've experienced. And they're like, and it usually starts with that, right? It starts with, man, this is some bullshit. There's gotta be a better way. That has led to every great innovation. You know, that there's gotta be a better way. And then the question is, you know, what are you gonna do about it? And, and I think that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. Um, you know, the road to success is littered with good ideas. Good ideas don't mean anything. That's nice to have one, but the execution and the grit and the perseverance, that's what's going to make you successful. So you got to decide as an entrepreneur, like, is this something that I can risk relationships for? Is this something I can risk, you know, family members for? Is this something I can risk my ego for? You know, can I go all in on this? Can I ask somebody for money and can I win? Um, that's a that's a bigger question. And, and honestly, I didn't have it early on. I was like, man, I, I'm not crazy passionate about anything. I don't have anything that I could, you know, plant a flag and say, you know what, this is this is the hill I'm going to die on. And so I set about learning. And, and I think we all go through that. Right. That's the beauty of, you know, podcasts like this. You know, there's so many places to learn now. There's so many avenues to to hear the stories and to grow and to think cerebrally about the things that you might want to do. Um, and so I set about doing that. I was like, you know what? I'm not ready. I know that. I'm self-aware. Let me go get better. Let me hone my craft. Let me learn. And then I'll come back to it. Uh, and then, you know, I started my own venture fund, ironically enough, um, which I always tell entrepreneurs, man, if you, it, it's hard enough raising money for a company. Raising money for a venture fund, that's even harder. Because at least with a company, you're selling them something. You're like, man, check out this new headphones I've got. It's better quality and you know, it's much better than Beats and, and we're going to own the market. You're like, okay, cool. I can play with that. When you're a venture mm-hmm. capitalist, you're like, hey, I got, I got an idea. Give me your money. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but I'm going to do something. And I <laughs> promise in like five years, I'm going to hit you up. And I'm going to give you more money than you gave me. That is a <laughs> shitty, shitty sales pitch. But that's what you got to do. So it's all relationships. It's all personality. Like you have to, you know, you have to get people to believe in you and your discretion to go invest in things that aren't going to fail. And keep in mind, this is an industry that is designed to fail. Like in a, in a venture capital fund, 
there's kind of this old adage that if you make 10 investments, six or seven are going to fail. They just are. One or two are going to break even and one or two are going to pay for the whole thing. And so you're going mm. into it knowing that, you know, these 10 entrepreneurs that are going to take over the world that are so passionate and you're like, yeah, I want to give you money. In the back of your mind, you're thinking you're only going to make it. But I'm willing to try. I'm willing to see what happens. And that's a that's a that's an existential thing, man. It's tough because like, you know, I, I don't like to fail and I don't like to let people down. And so it's a challenge when you're starting to think about how do you, you know, allocate your resources? How do you allocate your time? You got to be judicious about that because, you know, you could be spending more time and money on this failing company, but you could spend that time and money on scaling the next big thing. What should you yeah. be doing? Playing life raft or playing rocket ship? It's different. Oh, that's great. You know, you said, you know, with love challenges and, you know, with my show, this podcast, I have a lot of former elite level athletes who yeah. tune in and they love challenges. And they also, they don't want to work for somebody. They want to yeah. have their own space. And this is like one of the reasons how I, I kind of, you know, after years of, uh, you know, playing football and then getting out of that and then doing something that I was passionate about with training, training other young athletes. And now, you know, over, I think, 13 years of doing that, and I started to understand, like, other things that drive me, other things that I'm passionate about, and then I'm continuing learning. And I know the world needs, mm -hmm. which is understanding leadership, foundational leadership, not just, hey, you do this and, you, you know, that's, that's not – that is very like positional, mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? And I want to teach people and I have been teaching people to get past that position and make it relational. And so I've kind of built my, I guess my business now, I'm a, cause I'm, a, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. I speak and I coach and there's a lot of athletes who are trying to understand like, what is their niche? Mm -hmm. What is their, what do they want to be challenged at? What do the world need more of? And, you know, hearing that from you, like one of the things you said was, was built on relationships. What type of relationships should people start to tune into when they're getting into this whole entrepreneurship space? That's a good question. You know, so first and foremost, you got to think about who's in your circle, like who's willing to vouch for you. And, and, and you know, having athletes is huge because I think, you know, when I, when I, when I was sitting on the investor side of the table, it was always, I remember this one day we were getting pitched and this is actually when I was an angel investor, even before I was a VC and this one team came in and they were slick, you know, nice suits, nice shoes. They, they both had the crazy resumes. You know, they were actually in, in, in on Wall Street. You know, they were just killing it. Like last company sold for a gazillion dollars. They're doing it again. And I remember asking them, I was like, you know, so what are you guys, what are you guys putting in? Like, how much are you investing of this round? If you're raising, you know, $3 million and you just told me how great you are and how much money you have of that $3 million, how much of your money are you putting into it? And they're like, no, I'm not putting any in. This is why we're here. We're here for you. We're, we want y'all's money. Now, the catch to that is that's actually not a bad answer. Like, you know, if you can play with the house's money, you should. But the next 
actually the very next presenter was a teacher and she had like maxed out two credit cards, mortgaged her, her, her parents' house and like sold her kid's college fund. Like she was all in. And and we talked about it. We were like, she's going to win. These two guys, if this fails, they don't care. They're set. You know, how hard are they going to work? Like, are they going to run through walls to be successful? Now she's got her kids looking at her, her parents looking at her. She's looking at her own bank statements going, I've got to make this work. And so I always ask people like, what's your walkaway factor? And your network, your friends who have either vouched for you or invested in you, that makes walking away tough. And so as an entrepreneur, I like when people come and they've already sold at least their immediate circle. You know, if I if I if you ask me for money and I say who else is in the deal and you can't name anybody, not even your friends, I'm like, I don't I don't know what's wrong, but there's something wrong. Like, why don't you have anybody in your your close knit team that is willing to invest in you or willing to vouch for you? And I think that's going to be something and it's not fair, but that's going to be something athletes will always struggle with because like a lot of people don't don't know the numbers of the game. Right. They just think, oh, man, professional athlete, multimillionaire set for life. And they don't understand that that's not always true. But they're going to think that. And so that's going to be an, a, a hurdle that they're going to have to overcome if they're asking other people for money. Someone's going to go, well, geez, you don't have anybody else like, you know, on the team or somebody that you come across that can put some money into this thing, too. So I think there's going to be a, a, a bias towards you got to circle up the wagons, you know, with your existing friend circle first. Then you can start talking to other people, especially with, when you're an athlete. Gotcha. Now that sounds great. And when you was talking, I was thinking like Shark Tank. Yeah, that's what it is. It, it honestly is exactly that. It's not. It's not a bad show, and it's been successful because it's 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 not exactly accurate, but it's pretty close. Pretty close. So even before you get to to that aspect, what is what are the different steps that you need to take, or questions you need to ask yourself when you're starting down this journey of being your own boss? being an entrepreneur what are the steps is this something you want or is it something you need and so i i I talk a lot about this when people you know i think this is something people always struggle to define but you think about leadership um and what does that mean to people you know how do you know if you're a leader you know are you are you born a leader can you learn to be a good leader you know all that stuff the way i've always thought about it is if you got to ask, you're probably not there. Like, and, and I don't mean that you can't get there. That's, that's a topic for another day. But leadership is subconscious. You know, I don't eat last or step off the battlefield last because I'm thinking about it. That's just what you do. And that's leadership. Management is like, making sure you don't forget the ammunition and making sure that, you know, you clean your feet, you know, on an operation so you don't get blisters. Like management is the nuts and bolts tasks that you have to think about. Leadership are the things that you don't even think about it when you do it. It's, it's, it's what like a, 
uh, you know, jumping in front of you know, your kids, like about to get hit by a car and you, you know, or a bullet and you jump in front of it. Like you don't think about that. You don't think about the consequences. You just know that someone's in trouble and you can step in and help. So leadership is a lot like that. And, and so I think this want versus need is similar to that. Like I need to be in control and an entrepreneur. It's not like I, I read, a, I, I watched the social network and I thought that was sexy. It's not that I'm trying to impress anybody. I'm not doing it for the gram. Like, I need to advance my life in this fashion. And I will run through walls to do it because it's hard and it's soul crushing. And you just, you fail a lot and you're about to go bankrupt and you're, you're going all in on one Hail Mary and you're doing all these things. And like, it takes a lot out of you. And so if you're not willing to do that, I don't recommend it um, because you can't just be like, oh, it's cool. I want to I start a company. I, I want to, you know, it, it is life will punch you right in the mouth. And if you're not ready to fight back, you're going to waste your money. You're going to waste your time. And there's probably easier ways to make money and easier ways to spend your time. Entrepreneurship is hard. Do not pay attention to the movies. It is not as sexy as you think. I'm taking out the trash. I'm, I got, you know, I just showed you my, my windows lit on fire because somebody broke into my office and, and decided to sleep here and, and cause some damage. You know, every other day there's just something crazy going on. And if you don't love it, you'll quit. Man, that sounds something like training camp. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, and that's the thing, right? So, and think of, we, you know, now that we have a volunteer military, it's something similar. Like, you know, you see this in some of the movies. Um, you know, what's the one with Demi Moore when she plays a Navy SEAL? You know, there's some big Hollywood movies where they try to show G. you G.I. Jane. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, that that that's a pretty decent representation of, of you know, but, you know, of, of basically SEAL training. But, you know, without maybe the, the outright beating they took, you know, that, they don't really do that mm -hmm. as much. But like, you know, that ring the bell is an incredible kind of life metaphor. You know, you're you're in the water freezing and you're thinking about your buddies are partying somewhere or just you know hanging out in a yacht at you know yacht week in croatia and you're sitting in the ocean cold about to go in a job that doesn't pay anything and risk your life for you know this ideal of you know serving your country like what are you doing and like why and you can quit anytime you want you can ring that bell Go get a coffee, get warm, go see your parents, be done. And you know what? Most people won't even blame you. They'll just be like, okay, I'm sure training camp's the same way. You'd be like, you know what? I'm going to put up with this. Like, my feet hurt. I got shin splints. This guy's asking. He, he doesn't even know his assignments. Why am I even here right now? You know, I, I don't need this. You know, but when you persevere and you, you gut through it, it's something special. I mean, you just, you, you, it, it's, it's probably the best high in the world overcoming something and doing it with a team and kind of that, that camaraderie that you build through, you know, that kind of group suffering. <laughs> I don't know how better to describe it, but when you suffer as a group, you bond yourself to people in ways that you'll never understand unless you try it. And I'll tell you what, man, as an athlete, that's one of the biggest things, the first things that, you know, when people ask me what was the toughest part of, you know, retiring, and it's the locker room. Yeah, you know, it's the it's the fellas. It's you, you being in there, doing thick and thin, and um, you know, it just it bonds you. You know, when you 
I guess when you're going through suffering yeah. with others, with other like-minded individuals. Yeah, I'll tell you uh, something that I don't do well. So this is definitely, you know, do what I say, don't do what I <laughs> don't do what I do, uh, do what I preach kind of thing. I've always been so impressed by people who network well, but like not so much network for new contacts. I mean, even though that's impressive as well, I've got a couple friends that just, you know, they just cultivate their their close relationships well. And they, they never miss, you know, there's a, there's a lot of reunions. They, they try to bring that locker room vibe to their life. And like, I'm one of those people where life just goes so fast and I never have enough time. And I'm like, oh man, I really want to catch up with that person, but then I don't. And then, you know, life gets in the way and, and you kind of lose it. You know, there's a momentum to bonds and relationships. And and I would encourage people, you know, kids now who are who are actually still with the team and in the locker room, the minute you retire, keep that going. You know, you can if you want to. If you put in the work, you can keep it going. And don't let life get in the way. And don't let, you know, jobs and kids and family members, you know, and, and girlfriends and wives, you know, set a disciplined effort to get together. Go fly. I mean, and maybe you can't do it with everybody, but there's a couple of your like your core friends. Um, I could have done a better job over the years of making time for people who have made an impact in my life. And yeah, I should have made more time. And I wish I would have. Um, and I, I could probably still do it now, but I, I would encourage people. It's not the same. You'll look back and regret it. You know, I don't I don't keep in contact with people in high school, people in college, people in the military, the way I wish I would have. And and, it, and I did lose that momentum now. And it'd be kind of, we can maybe restart it, but it still wouldn't be the same. And keep yeah. that flame going. That's a beautiful point that you make right there, is to be able to, especially, you know, people, um, athletes, male or female, if they're still in college, is they they have this window of opportunity yeah uh yes bonding with their you know with their teammates but also like people who are connected with that school or with that team like alumni if i would have known the same stuff that i know now and, and you already touched on it is relationships are so powerful they're an influencer why somebody's going to follow you yeah so i coach on leadership and leadership is influence. Well, who you know has influence, mm -hmm. right? The character of the people that you know, they have influence, but also the knowledge and the platform. There's people out there that, you know, would love to, you know, sit down and have a cup of coffee with you. Yeah. You know, while you're still playing ball mm -hmm. or doing gymnastics or swimming, whatever. But once you're done, you have to understand, like, those windows of opportunity start to close yeah. and so like just creating relationships and that it doesn't have to be transaction it's just like getting to know like getting to know somebody if i knew like you know yourself who is an entrepreneur you've been doing it on both sides mm -hmm. right as an angel investor and as an entrepreneur it's like man i, I could have learned that that's why i created this podcast is to you know to learn these different things that you know these these people uh, can be able to use and be like, man, okay, I want to be an entrepreneur, but what are the steps I need to take? You know, they can listen to Randall Crowder and now it's older. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, listen, you know, it, it's funny, you know, and it's a trip. I, I, I've been saying this forever. I got to figure out what this actual is from. 
um, as a book. And it always escapes my mind every time I bring it up. But there's this weird psychological principle talking about relationships and social bonding. And a lot of people inherently think, you know, asking for stuff is selfish or, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to ask for help. You're busy, you know, whatever. Actually asking for something from somebody else is a better way to bond yourself to that person than doing something for that person. Because when you ask for something from someone, you trigger this like emotional response. It's like a hero response. Like, Oh, you need me. And the the endorphins get going. I mean, you know, when you save the day, when you feel like you, you help somebody, that's like the most selfish thing you can do because of the way you feel when you do it. And, and, And it doesn't, it can still be altruistic, but like, you know, you, you hook your buddy up with a job. You're like, yeah, man, I, I, I did that. And it's like, yeah. Yeah, you feel good. And so people, I encourage people ask for help, you know, ask for things that, that, you know, can, you know, ask for that introduction, ask for people's time, ask to get together, ask to go have a cup of coffee, ask them for their opinion on your business plan, ask them to invest, like ask, put yourself out there, be vulnerable and you'll build those relationships because what happens a lot of times, and I had a professional coach at everyone I invested in, I always make them have a professional coach. Um, and it was always this, this incredible lady that, that lives here in Austin. And I was trying to take my own medicine. So I would talk to her every once in a while too. And, you know, I always kind of romanticize this mentor mentee dynamic that you see play out in TV a lot. You know, you'll see like you know, Wall Street, you know, you got Gordon Gecko, and then you got the up and comer and He's going to take you under his wing and teach you everything. Now, granted, I don't want anybody to be a criminal, but, you know, there was always that kind of the, the old guard and the, the new cat. And then how do they work together? And I never had that my whole life. I've, I've had people who have been kind of advisors, but I've never had a consistent mentor take me under their wing. And she said something interesting. She was like, it's your fault. Like, what do you mean? She was like, you don't present yourself as someone who needs it. And so a, a mentor isn't going to feel, feel like there's room to step in and help you because you never allow yourself to be vulnerable enough to receive that help. And so they'll look at you and be like, all right, he's got it. He's good. And then move on to the next thing because you're not asking for help. You're not putting yourself out there. And you probably missed out on countless opportunities to build mentor-mentee relationships because of that. And and that ship has probably sailed for you. So now maybe you could do that for somebody else. You know, you'd be a mentor. That's how you're going to scratch that itch. Um, but she really kind of broke it down and made me self-reflect that, like, I was still caught in that machismo that, like, I've got to have it all figured out. Like, I can't ask questions because I'll look weak. Like, I can't, you know, look like I'm tired. Like, I, everybody's looking at me and I need to be tougher and stronger and faster and better. And guess what? The mentors be like, all right, he's either stubborn, he's got it, or, you know, I don't, he's not coachable, you know? And so it's like, I think I missed out on an opportunity not being vulnerable. So let me ask you, how do you show vulnerability? You know, I, it starts, I think it starts with humility. Um, and ironically, it starts with humility, but it also helps to have perspective to like really understand that you're not alone. And I'll give you an example. You know, 
women, probably the most visceral thing they can do is, you know, motherhood, you know, and there's so many just triggering things with that. You know, if a, if a woman's trying to get pregnant, she's never been pregnant before and she has a miscarriage, like her mind will go to, I'm a failure as a woman because I, I this happened and it must be my fault. And it's, and it's real tricky because I don't think men understand it. And, you know, how could we, right? But, and you, you kind of feel all alone. But then if you start talking to women, you're like, oh yeah, I had a miscarriage too. Oh yeah, I had two miscarriages. Oh, I had an endotropic pregnancy. And it's like, holy shit, like everybody's going through this. I'm not alone. And so yeah. that perspective that it's not just you, you know, there's a lot of business owners who are struggling. There's a lot of business owners who don't know how to make payroll. And it doesn't mean you're a bad entrepreneur, it just it's life, you know. The entire tech market right now is down 80%. It's some down 90%. Amazon, Tesla, Meta, all down 60, 65%. Like, you're not alone. Like, you know, everyone is hurting right now. Um, and so I think the first step to being vulnerable is being humble enough to ask for help. Um, but then having the perspective that you're not alone in asking for help. And then just putting yourself out there. Mm, that's good. That's really good. So, Randall, what are like two to three things that what you know now, man, when you was 25 or 24 years old in the entrepreneurial world, whether it's making relationships or putting thoughts on paper or whatever, what are some things that you wish you could have done better? Yeah, you know, so I'll, 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 the first one will be a somewhat correlated to what I just said. I know we were talking last time, I'd kind of mentioned this and I almost forgot to mention it now. So when I was going out of business school, I one thing I've done well is put myself in the game. You know, I, I think what is, what's the old adage, you know, you, you miss, you know, 100% of the shots you don't take. I'm yep. good about that. Like, because I heard a long time ago, there's really only two pains in this world, the pain of discipline or the pain of regret. And the pain of regret terrifies me. So I got no problem with discipline as long as I can avoid regret. And sometimes that discipline is taking the shot. And so I've always put myself in a position to win, whether I win or not, you know, who knows. That being said, I don't think I was authentic enough at a young age. And I used fake humility as like a way to disarm people. And I, hu dogs can sense fear. Humans can sense authenticity. I don't care. They might not even address it in the moment, but there's this like internal clock that we all have. And you just know it. It's that, it's that same thing that makes your hair stand up when you meet certain people and you're like, man, I don't know what's wrong with you, but something's wrong with you. And it's that same thing that makes you fall in love with the girl when you first see her. And like, there's just a natural way we attune to things. And so when I was doing out of business school, I was uh, going into this thing called Kaufman Fellows. And it's basically a, a fellowship program in Silicon Valley to train the next generation of venture capitalists. And it's a two-year program. And like, they take, you know, they thousands of, of applicants and they only selected like 20 of us. And the who's who of Kaufman Fellows is like, crazy it's like you know there's some nobel prize runner-ups and you know some just you know um, number two number three at oracle and like you know just i'm reading the resumes and i'm like you got like three phds and you got your md and you're applying to nasa and i'm like god 
And I, I was probably two years out of the army and I remember going and I got accepted. And I don't know how. And then we're, we're having our first meeting and we're doing introductions with the CEO who kind of you know, runs the whole program. Everybody's introducing themselves and I'm feeling smaller and smaller and smaller as everybody's introducing themselves. And finally it gets to me. And I basically was like, hi. And I, I was kind of a jokester and I'm, I've always been gregarious in a way. And I was like, well, you know, hi, I'm Randall and I'm, I'm Phil's charity case. And man, and if this guy Phil Wickham with the CEO at the time is a real nice guy. And he got real cold, real fast. He was like, don't ever fucking say that. Like, you insult not only yourself, but the people who raised you, who put you in this position to win, the people who interviewed you and selected you for this program. Like, don't insult them. Like, you're nobody's charity case. Like, we picked you because you deserve to be here, not because we felt like we needed a token, you know, veteran or, you know, any other reason you might have in your head. Like you're here because you deserve to be here and don't ever go into a room and disclaim yourself. And I think I've done that a lot. Um, it's probably like, you know, born out of an anxiety or insecurity or maybe imposter syndrome where you feel like you don't belong. And I think everybody, if they're being honest, feels like that at times. And you should never do that to yourself. Like if you're in a room, you deserve to be in that room. Why? Because you're in the room and, you know, being authentic and not being, I'm not saying to be cocky and I'm not saying don't be appreciative of the rooms you're in, but celebrate your small wins, celebrate who you are and be proud that you've worked as hard as you are because people will respond to that. Like you don't want to walk into a situation and be like, uh, geez, um, you know, uh, well, I don't really know what I'm doing, but I sure would like for you to give me some money and I think I'm going to be good. Like they want you to walk in and be like, Hey, I know this space. I know my number's cold. You know, I know I can do a good job. There's still a lot of risks and here's the risks I've identified, but I really need your investment because I know that I can be successful. And with your help, we can do this. Like, you know, they want to feel that. And if you don't feel it in yourself, you're doing yourself a disservice. And I think I did that too much as a kid and I could have done better. Gotcha. Now, here's a question. You did that up until that point, until that conversation, because I can see like, you know, you telling that story is a beautiful story. And I'm thinking of men in black, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with Will Smith go up in there and he's like, you know, everybody else is just like, woof, just way up, yep. you know, off the charts, you know. Captain America and whatnot. Now that you say it, that is such a good scene. And it's oh, exactly yeah, yeah. the same thing. We we're like, I don't know how I got here. Yeah. Now, so after that, is that when you start to like enter the room a little bit differently? Yeah, you know, it was I think so. Um, but it also, like anything, I think you gotta give yourself time to get it right. You know, you don't roll in, no matter how good you are, come out of college, you don't roll into, you know, camp the first day and just know everything. Maybe it's, a, maybe you've you got all the skills, but you don't know the playbook as well. You don't understand how the coach likes things run. Like you don't understand that I always hear the tempo of the game is so much faster and everybody's as good as you. And it's like, shit, man, you know? And so I think people need to understand that it's okay not to be great on day one 
you know, yeah. being great is persisting to day two, day three, day 180, year five, year six, and just keep going. Like persistence is the prelude to greatness because you're not going to be great, you know, in day one. And even if you're great on day one, man, the, the it's going to come home to roost. Yeah. At some point, you know, you're going to, you're going to, everyone's going to love you on day one. And then it's going to take one bad play on, you know, day 365 and everyone's going to hate you. And you'd be like, what happened, man? I thought, I thought you loved me. You're like, no, what have you done for me lately? Only as good as your last play. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's <laughs> the thing where it's like, yeah. I, I, I think I realized that I needed to get better. And in every room, I try to get better and better and better and better and better. And I think with just repetition, you just get more comfortable. And I think that's what drives me crazy. I was talking to my wife about this. I'm not, I, 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 people are shocked when I say this. I am actually like an introvert. Like I, I love working out by myself. I love walking my dog. I love going for runs. I'm not a, a salesperson. I don't like selling I don't like raising money. And I spent 20 years selling and raising money, not because I enjoyed it, because somebody needed to do it. Like I, I had a partnership when I was in venture capital and they weren't going to do it. And so I was like, all right, well, no, if you're not going to do it. Somebody's got to do it. I'll do it. And then I just put, put the work in. Um, and I think the more you put the work in, you know, the more stories you can tell, the more you understand, you know, how you approach certain questions, the more, you know, you understand the value that you can give. And it's just, those experiences represent tools in your toolkit. And you've got to start getting those tools. And so I always tell people, like, when I was, you know, either raising money or pitching something, I'll pitch to anyone, anywhere, everywhere. Because even it's, it's like a stand-up comedian. You think they're always selling out Madison Square Garden. Sometimes they're, they're, they're telling jokes to one dude not even paying attention, eating peanuts in the corner. But they'll go through their whole routine. And they'll, they'll, they'll do it like they're talking to an entire crowd. Because they're honing their craft. And so that goes the same thing for speaking. You know, you just got to, you got to get out there. My wife is always like, oh, I, I can't talk like you. I'm like, that's because you don't talk. You know, you have to, you have to start doing it and it's going to be clumsy at first, but the more you do it and the more you socialize, the better you'll get at it. Yeah. I love that. Randall, how can my people get more of you? Yeah. Yeah. I'm easy to find, you know, Instagram, it's at Randall Crowder, um, two L's on the Randall. C on the Crowder. Um, LinkedIn is Randall Crowder. Facebook is Randall.Crowder. I have Randall Crowder on Twitter, but I can't remember my password to save my life. <laughs> I'm at official Crowder on Twitter. So hit me up. Um, you go to funware.com. It's funware with a PH. Uh, check out what we're doing at funware. A lot of cool stuff there. Um, and, and just, you know, man, you know, yeah, reach out if I could be helpful or if, uh, you know, something comes to mind that, you know, you want to, want to chop it up on, you know, happy to be helpful. Uh, you know, I commend you for what you're doing, and especially for your know, athletes, both, you know, still in the game and then, you know, transitioning out, you know, this platform is so important to that. I, you know, I deal a lot with this, with the transitioning military, um, a lot of parallel lives there. And so I, mean, I would just tell people you have so much to offer. And and don't think that look a Harvard education is great and an Ivy League degree is great you know having rich parents that can be great too but those aren't things you have to have to be successful you need resourcefulness like resourcefulness is your greatest resource and it's in abundant supply because you choose how resourceful you want to be and I think athletes 
that grit that you apply um, to training and practice and and in the field on Sundays, man, that translates. I know it doesn't feel like it. You know, you might not be able to you know complete you know a series seven exam on day one, but you know that grit that you show and that camaraderie and that leadership, that's marketable. And so never never disclaim yourself. Never think down upon yourself. Uh, embrace you know all the possibility that is you. And uh, you know, go get it. So check it. If you like today's show, I want you to do me a couple of favors. I want you to subscribe. I want you to give me a rating and give me a review. And then the fourth thing, I want you to share it. Okay? And I'm not saying this for selfish reasons. When you guys do this, the more ratings, the more stars we get, five stars are dope, but the more impactful guests that we can have on the show. And the more impactful guests we have on the show... I think the more insights and the more value we can deliver for you all, my listeners. Okay, so if you guys can do that, it'll help us out, which will in turn help you out. Keep aligning, assigning, and adjusting yourself to the person that you want to become.